So before we go for real, Brian, I'm tired of saying two and a half chicks, you know, me, Monica, and Brian got in touch with this feminine side. How else can I say that? We got to bury that up a little bit. Well, we could just say, welcome to two and a half chicks. I don't have to explain the half chick thing. Yeah, I don't think we got to the point where we explained it enough. Okay, so we're uh, we're live again. Welcome back to Two and a Half Chicks with me, Tess, Monica, and Brian. How's your week, you guys? What have you been up to lately? Well, Tess, because our story will be a little bit long, do you want to go first? Sure, yeah. I just had a crazy um, week since I talked to you guys last. I went on a college tour to Pennsylvania with my son, but two days before I went on the tour, I tore my ACL. So I was uh, due to get an airplane two days after that injury. So it was a little bit of a scramble, you know, to call airlines and find out what kind of services I could get when I was non-weight bearing on my foot for a couple of days. But the tour went really well and everything was successful. The wheelchair services at the airport worked and the college had a wheelchair for me and crutched around otherwise. And the college comparison process is a very interesting one. You can't shortcut it. You have to see the different schools. And uh, my son finally made a decision and it was good. Now we're done. Three states in three weeks and we're done. Congratulations. Thank you. Very excited. It's great. Congratulations. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a good job done. But I want to hear about you guys because you guys had fun. So I want to hear what what you guys were up to. Yeah, Monica, tell her what kind of fun we had. Friday morning, since I was in in the area with Brian, uh, we drove three and a half hours to Napa Valley. And Brian and I were like children at Disneyland. To say the least. Taking the ride to Napa, looking at the beautiful scenery, being in awe of all the vineyards and views and the homes and the the, the one point six million dollar cottages. We both agree we love California and we miss the palm trees, warm air, and lack of humidity <laughs> that we normally get on the East Coast. We kept saying we want to live here, but I'm pretty sure we can't afford to live there because I think we looked at a couple of houses on Zillow and I think the lowest one was a million dollars. So Yeah, and it was like the size of a garage. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. You, yeah. You're not paying <laughs> for land. You live in a trailer. <laughs> you're paying for sunshine, not land. Yeah. Yep, you're definitely paying for the experience. We went to eat at this restaurant, which was a, a bit pricey, but so worth the experience. It was uh, called Alberge de Soleil. It overlooked Napa Valley, and it was just such a beautiful experience. Very quiet. We hear birds singing, the wind rustling in the trees, no cloud in the sky. It was amazing. Yeah, she got the idea from an Uber driver. Whether it's a kiosk guy, an Uber (laughs) driver, Monica talked to anybody that's kind of unavailable. So it was a really great decision to to listen to this one because this place was absolutely gorgeous. Sounds like it was French. I don't know if it was. Well, Maybe sounds it was French, French cuisine. It, or de Soleil made me like think. French cuisine. Yeah. It, was, it was just wonderful. It, we ate like the upper echelon. We drank like the upper echelon. Like she said, it's like Disney, but you're not floating on the dyed river. You're floating on a wine river. It was just so beautiful and wonderful and lush. That's awesome. And we went up into St. Helena. The mountains were beautiful. One of my favorite vineyards, uh, Via Deer, was closed. So we decided to go to my, one of my other favorite vineyards, which is Larkmead, and that place paid off. Cost me about five hundred dollars in wine, but 
it was nice to walk around and enjoy the sunshine mm -hmm. and walk through the vineyard and it was just so peaceful. Yeah, it's not a place that you could go every day. It's very expensive. We had no reservations. So we literally just walked onto, you know, where we were uninvited onto these vineyards and asked what we could do or were allowed to do. We acted like such Jersey people. We yeah. were like so trying to be so charming and just kind of weasel our way in. It didn't work though. But wait, some not of them did not let us really walk around. Some of them were really nice. They let us sit in their beautiful gardens by their wine. But wait, they're not for tourists. You can't. You can't just visit. You know. No. Uh. From my understanding, that's something that's changed a lot post COVID. Okay. When you say five hundred dollars in wine, like you didn't take any with you, or you did? Oh, I did. Good. I was gonna say that was the stuff I brought. That was just from that one vineyard. Wow. Then I spent couple hundred bucks on another one and a couple hundred bucks on another one. That's not including the food that we ate, the driving, the, the gas. It's an, it was an expensive weekend. I'm, I'm also a bourbon connoisseur, Monica. You can hear it rattling. Okay, so we, have to find, we have to find where they make bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I figured because of the topic we were having today, I needed a glass of bourbon. Oh, I should have gotten something. <laughs> well, we start with discussing divorce because that is something we all have in common. We've all been divorced. And then Brian thought, well, why don't we also talk about cheating? Oh, really? Uh, okay. If we have any stories about cheating. So it's up to you guys want to start with divorce first and cheating later, or cheating first and then divorce. Or maybe both. Start with the both of the same Because that's why you're divorced. Cheating, <laughs> cheating leads, leads to, to divorce. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know who wants to go first. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go first. You go first. I'll okay. go first. So I actually do have a cheating story, maybe one or two. It's not, we're not talking about a math test, right? <laughs> no, no. So, Brian, you're going to be surprised. You're going to be shocked when you hear my story. So I can't believe I don't know it already, Monica. You've been holding out on I me. Just, I just forget sometimes, really, because it happened so long ago. So I became uh, active. When I was very young. So I had a little bit of a rebellious period in my school days. And I met this guy. He was met him through family friends. And he used to invite me to his house. Okay, give us numbers here. We need numbers. Well, how old were you? I was in my teens. Before 15. Okay, that's okay. young. He told me where he lived. And I would go to his house. I actually uh, did not attend school. And I walked to his house. And we spent all day at his house during the school hours. And then I would just leave right when school was about to leave and went home. So I would be home on time. So wait, did you cheat on school or were you with somebody else? Well, you you're cheat not, on? Wait, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Oh, I'm sorry. I just have to interject that I love how you phrase things to make them sound nicer. Like I didn't attend school, <laughs> not I ditched school. I didn't attend school. I was active yes. as a teenager. <laughs> Just love it. They just love it. That's Monica in a nutshell. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to hear that. I'm not trying to be innocent or anything. It's just, uh, I don't really talk about this a lot. So he and I would spend the whole day in his at, in his room. His parents were at work. He was also a kid. I, I will say he wasn't an adult. So that's actually nice to remember that. I was actually with another boy. He was two years older than me, but he was still a young teenager. We did this a few times. He would call me. I would say, yeah, sure, I'll go. And I would cut school. Mind you, I was a straight A student my whole life, so this was a and big deal. You got away with out. You got away with the ditching, like nobody found out. No, no. Well, 
I have another story about that, but that right. doesn't involve cheating. Uh -oh. Okay. Tess, Monica went from straight A to straight D. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I did. <laughs> and uh, so he had a friend. He introduced me to his best friend. And I guess his best friend knew that I was seeing this guy, you know, when his parents were around. So one day his best friend called me and said, hey, do you want to hang out with me? Come to my place? And I said, yeah, sure. Oh. <laughs> this is the same Monica that I've been working next to and have known for the last 15 years. It's been so straight and narrow. It, you never know. I told you, I've always told you I am not innocent. I just love how all three of us are not innocent in different ways. Yes. It's hilarious. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Carry on. So, Monica's not innocent is adorable to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I did go to this other guy's place and we hung out for the whole day until it was time to go home because school was ending. Uh, but hung out. This is where I have yeah, always the been the same. Line. So guess what's who was the, the what's one? What's the hangout? So guess who was the one that called the original boy and told him what had happened? Me. Oh. I felt so bad. <laughs> Even though we had never said we were girlfriend or boyfriend, we just hung out at his in his bedroom. I told him he was so pissed at me. He said, I don't remember what he said. I just know he was really pissed. He hung up the phone on me. However, a week later, boy number one called me again and say, hey, you want to hang out again? I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's because you were giving it up. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so, you know, so yes, you yes, I was a, I was a, I was a horny teenager. But I was also very uh, insecure. Uh, I had a lot of insecurity issues are. and self-esteem issues. So that had a lot to do with it. And for a long time, I was very ashamed of it. He met a member of my family like years later. And he found out my name. He found out my name through some conversation. And he told his family member, oh, yeah, this is a girl that I used to hang out with in my bedroom. And then this family member told the rest of my family about what had happened. And so I was very ashamed for a while because uh, in, that, in those years I was young. My family was very, uh, it had a lot of sex shaming for the females in my family. And I felt very embarrassed about it. And it, it's taken me a while, but I'm not embarrassed about it anymore. I was just being a kid. I laugh at it now and I'm actually happy about the experience. Uh, thank God I did not get pregnant. That took another think, couple years. Yeah, <laughs> it took another few years. I didn't get pregnant at you know, at 14, um, I still did get pregnant young. You're right, Brian. But Which I think is a great thing because you get the healthiest kids when you get young babies and I, young kids. It sounds crazy. I but completely agree now. you get older now. and you can appreciate your life. I completely agree. The only thing is you're kind of messed up when you're young and you have your kids young and you're still growing up. You kind of mess up That's the kids. That's fair. I will say that was my one cheating incident where I actually like actively like, well, actually, no. There were probably two, but not really. When I started dating another guy years later when I was in college, I met up with an old boyfriend who I really, really, really liked. And then I hooked up with that old boyfriend while I was talking to the new guy, but I hadn't made a commitment to the new guy. So I don't think that's technically cheating. I was going to say, even the first ex experience, like were you guys a definitive steady couple? I don't think so. We never said we were a boyfriend and girlfriend. So I don't know that that's really cheating. It's just that some people think. Yeah. I felt like I was. If we keep Monica talking, that the, the number's going to go up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I Thanks, think Brian. that 
people think if you're with more than one person, it's automatically cheating. And it's not automatically cheating if there's not an understanding that you're, you know, committed. That's correct. So maybe it's like, I don't know, that's my version of cheating. Um, I have dated guys who were actually in a relationship and I was the other person. So I don't know if that's considered, I wasn't cheating, but still I knew that. Did you know about the relationship? Yes, yes, yes. Then you cheated. Then I cheated. So, okay, there you go. What is considered cheating? I consider cheating to be where both people believe they are in a monogamous and committed relationship and one person steps out on the other without their knowledge or agreement. Do we agree? <sighs> okay. Well, that was real. I thought it was just eating ain't cheating. <laughs> I thought it was- <laughs> you made it sound so eloquent. That's just to distinguish it between an uh, open yeah. relationship. There are still a lot of people, though, that don't believe in ethical non-monogamy. They just think that if you have a committed partner and you have an experience with another partner, it's cheating, whether it's, you know, accepted or not. To me, the delineation is whether or not you are lying and keeping secrecy about it. Well, if you guys are going to use that definition, I cheated a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Brian, you're next. What's your definition? That's my version. Okay, so... Uh, I'm not going to make a lot of friends on this episode because yes, I was a natural born cheat. Um, I actually didn't have sex until I was 17, six and 16 and a half, 17. Oh, I was a pro and by then, I Brian. I do remember, <laughs> he's so much more experienced than me. I remember when I first cheated on someone, I was with, with the girl of my buddy who's one of my friends from football team. And I remember being in the room with this girl and fooling around with her. and It just never stopped from there. I just, I I just liked sex so much and women so much, and it was the challenge, it was the chase, and I cheated all the way into my forties, and unfortunately, I got married in my thirties. It just didn't stop. I'd like to say it was that. What do you call it, Tess? That non-monogamous, okay to do it thing. Ethical non-monogamy. But yeah, that's the words. That was an oxymoron for me. I just decided it's just safer not to tell anybody. But I was, you know, I wasn't happy i guess with myself i think i cheated because i was insecure as well i was a very insecure kid i got bullied a lot when i was a kid there was no there was no sex shaming in our family monica because nobody talked about it oh okay you know and I, I and i'm one of six kids so there was a lot of it going on apparently with my parents but nobody ever talked about sex growing up i was did a lot of experimenting and i just experimented with other guys women it, there wasn't just two it was probably like 200 <laughs> yeah wasn't until i i got divorced then i stopped it all i got divorced and met somebody and that's when it stopped it was interesting how organic that was for you though it wasn't hard for you to stop no not even close it was not hard at all you know i went through 45 years of my life just with random people you know i liked them a lot even my wife i liked her a lot but when I met the next person, I felt in love. And that was when I learned the difference between love and in love. Right. And I also have to add that it wasn't the fault of the people that you cheated on. I think you also reached a point in your life when you realized this is what I really want. And you made the choice not to cheat. Oh, anymore. absolutely. You became yeah. more confident. You became more at peace with yourself. And that's when you were able to decide not to cheat. Yeah, I actually said this to you guys before, right? I didn't like who I saw in the mirror every day. I was a bad person. I was, don't get me, this is going to sound like the biggest oxymoron, right? I was a good husband in the sense where I did anything she wanted, gave her anything she wanted. You know, I cleaned, I cooked, I did all that other stuff. But like, 
here comes the other side of it where I would go out and I would forget I was married. I would just go out there. I'd be dancing in, in New Brunswick, New Jersey at a club with these girls and then go home with them. I, it, and like when I say go home, I mean, go back, go out to the car or, or jump into the bathroom. It was just like, and then I'd go home, take a shower. And next day it was just like, I, nothing ever happened. You can love people and s- still cheat on them. There's a lot of things that drive people to cheat. It's not just based on whether you love somebody or not. Yeah, it was an ego thing. It was like, oh, I could still get that girl? Yeah, it's ego. It was, it's not getting... It was embarrassing now. It's embarrassing to think back on it. It's ego. It's not getting It's not getting your needs met. It's the desire to feel desired. People sometimes are in relationships where that's not prevalent anymore. There's so many reasons. It doesn't mean you don't love the person you're with. That's true. And even though you may have a shitty spouse in the end, it's just something that you are working through in yourself, in your journey through life with your self-esteem, with your feeling of self-worth and loving yourself. Yeah. It took a while to love myself. Everybody reaches that point different. Yeah. Well, now you guys are going to get me misty over here talking about it. Mm. <laughs> um, I need, I need my bourbon right now. Mm. <laughs> I need a hug. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes it could just be you're young and you're really horny. You just don't care. <laughs> like me. Yeah, when I was young, it was different. When it was young, yeah. I, I hate to say it, but you didn't know any better when you were young. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a really small town. My graduating class had 62 people in it. You were going to be Eskimo brothers with somebody at some point. Okay? <laughs> it, it's just the way it worked. All right, Tess, l- l- let's hear about you. Yeah, my experiences were very different. I was dating somebody when I was a very young teenager, and I... Well, this is going to get some laughs. I tried and it didn't work. I tried to lose my virginity with this person and it didn't work. Oh, I was just like young and didn't know what I was doing and it didn't work. And then I, it just never happened. And then moving across the country when I was young, you know, I had this long distance love affair for a little while, not affair, but the person that I moved away from and then ended up dating somebody in Catholic youth group for the next three years. So I was 18 before I lost my virginity. And then that ended up being my first husband. So I didn't have any wild times until I was later. But my first experience with cheating was being cheated on. Because while my ex and I were still dating, he cheated on me. And then I still married him. So talk about having not the right amount of self-esteem when you're young. I didn't really start to uncover like the desire to be with somebody while being with somebody else until later in life. Okay. I guess your lifestyle kind of prohibits the idea of cheating anyway. Well, right? it, it does because you probably said, you probably said to the guy, look, I'm going to go out tonight. I'm going to cheat on you. You want to no, be there? No, don't ever say those words. No. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm just throwing it out there for, that's what I'm the saying is your quote unquote cheating, cheating story. Yeah. Uh, your cheating is Okay. It's, and I, I refuse to call it cheating. But it's technically not cheating because it's a right. consensual agreement. Right. It, we'll call it a, again, quote, unquote, consensual agreement. It's hard for me to participate in that conversation because it, it's not under the same category, I guess. Well, let's segue into your divorce. You talked about getting yeah, was, married was, really young. Yeah. So I was married at 21 and divorced at 25. No kids, which made it. Pretty simple. My situation was interesting because we got engaged and then we were getting due to get married three weeks before a major earthquake in California happened. My ex and I were not under the same roof for the earthquake. I was home alone in our apartment 
and he was at work because he went to work like three in the morning. And he made a promise to God that if he made it home to me and we were both safe, that he would clean up his life because he was not um, very religious. He was a bit of a bad boy. He came home and I had been trapped in our apartment after the earthquake for like a few hours until he got home and it was pitch black and I had no flashlight and it was like there was glass all around so I couldn't leave the room and there was aftershock after aftershock and he came home and we were both safe and he made good on his promise and he went back to his church and he became very, very religious three weeks before our wedding. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is not what I signed up for. But I thought it was too late to call off the wedding. So we got married and we stuck it out for three years. We were divorced. It was four, it was four years by the time we were divorced. Then we split up every year that we were together. And then we get back together and we split what up. What were your religious beliefs at that time when he changed over? Uh, I was raised I know you were raised I was Catholic. raised Catholic, but I was kinda wasn't really a practicing Catholic at the time, but he was a reorganized Mormon. And oh. the family he the religion he came from, it wasn't really impactful to me because he wasn't practicing until that earthquake happened. And then he went back to his church. And it was very, very difficult for him that I didn't have the same belief system. It was a big struggle for us because whenever we get along really well whenever I was doing everything his way, but I wasn't one that could do that. I couldn't fake it for, I couldn't do that if I didn't believe in it. There was a lot of other issues. I mean, personality wise, we just weren't suited. I was too strong and independent. I think he needed somebody that was more subservient. It just wasn't the right dynamic between us. And we loved each other. Love was never the issue, but love wasn't enough. I imagine it's much harder to uh, fake your religious beliefs than an orgasm. Yeah. So. Yeah, much harder. But I'm not one to fake an orgasm either. It's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I mean, I tried. I went to his church. We had Bible studies at our house. I even went to Missouri with him to see the history of his church. And I tried. I really did try. But it just wasn't for me. And we didn't have kids because we knew. We knew there were issues. I made the breakup, you know, clean break. How long were you married for? We only married three years. We got married in 1994 and we split up in 1997. I haven't seen him since the divorce. When you reached a decision to divorce, was it mutual or did you say, I'm out of here? It was mutual, actually, because we both knew we weren't making each other happy. And it came with a lot of tears because we did love each other. He was not a bad guy. He was a good guy. And he said, he said, if you want to keep trying, I'll keep trying. During one of our breakups, I had moved uh, into an apartment with a roommate that I had met through him. It was a female friend. And when we got back together the third time, we decided to stay all living in the same apartment so he and I could save money for a house. And the energy in the apartment changed and they got closer the further apart he and I got because she was more the personality he needed. And then my grandfather passed away and I went back home to Rhode Island for the funeral. And when I got back, the air in the house was different. And I was like, okay, it's time to stop doing this. I just knew yeah. that they- Do you think that maybe just living together was a precursor for him? He's a Mormon. This would have been the perfect lifestyle for you. You could have had like 15 wives in the house and you could have brought so many people in, but maybe this was just the beginning. He just put you in the same room together. Yeah. He was a little tester. He didn't do that. No, didn't work that, that, that way? didn't happen. Wasn't that romantic? He wasn't trying that, no. Did he marry that girl that you guys were living with? He did. He married her and had three kids with her. And now they're divorced. Oh, now they're divorced. Okay. And I did. He did actually reach out to me on Facebook after they got divorced. And uh, we chatted a little bit. I haven't seen him since we divorced in 1997. But 
we both live in the same city and we've, we've not run into each other. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that, Tess. I feel like it was a lifetime ago and I feel like it, it was a lesson learned. And obviously we all take some damage from our prior relationships. I'm glad it all worked out in the end. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is I always had one foot out the door. Somehow moving across the country as a teenager made me realize you can lose everyone you love in an instant. I never really 120% invested. And even with him, even though we got married, we were together seven and a half years. We never went more than a year without breaking up. And that's kind of how I was in my relationships. I could feel that. I, I understand that moving from your place of security and stuff and moving to a new place. I feel like I have one foot in Reno and the other on a banana peel sometimes. So Yeah, you're just like, why invest myself? Because I could lose it all. Even after my divorce, it was really hard for me to commit for a while. I had a couple of boyfriends after my divorce. I wouldn't. I just gave up on them really easily. But it was just why it was such a shock that my current relationship has lasted so long because I was never one to commit for long. But again, it's a very free relationship, so it's not very controlling. It's a second marriage for both of us, so you kind of leave the bullshit behind when you go into your second marriage. You're like, you know what? I've had the drama. I've had the controlling shit. I'm not going to control you. You don't control me. You live your life. I'll live mine. We'll just share our lives. I've not had the second marriage. I will not have the second marriage. I, I mean, I'm not, I have nothing against marriage, the institution of marriage itself, but I don't want to go through a marriage again. No, I get that. I I'm totally very, very get that. happy just living with somebody. Well, and I've seen enough people get raked over the coals when they do conjoin their lives that, you know what, we're not in the day and age where we have that dependency on each other. You know, we're not in those traditional roles anymore. Right. Well, thanks again for sharing. How about you, Monica? So my marriage had definitely become an, an abusive one, different kinds of abuse, uh, physical, emotional. I didn't recognize it at the time when I was, when I finally separated, I wanted out of the marriage by then, but I realized it was an abusive marriage when I was sitting at the police station after a violent incident that involved my daughter. And all of a sudden the domestic abuse representative came in and started talking to me about abusive relationships. And I sat there like in shock, like she thinks I'm in an abusive relationship. She thinks I'm a, an abused wife. And it was definitely humbling when I realized she was right. <laughs> My ex-husband now, he did go through a program. And I think for a future relationship, he will be a much better person because he's learned a lot. It just, it definitely won't be with me. And I, I've attended uh, group therapy sessions for abused spouses. That opened my eyes a lot. That's where I learned the term about the cycle of abuse. In abuse cycle, you know, there's a honeymoon period. Uh, there's the... Uh, a peaceful period. And then all of a sudden, you know, the relationship starts getting tense. And then eventually there's the act of abuse. Again, afterwards, there's this honeymoon period where the one spouse is apologizing and trying to make amends for what they did. I finally decided to get separated. Uh, I had to put a restraining order on him. But I realized that one, my sons were still young. And I did not want my sons to grow up to become that way with their spouses. Was he their father? Yes, he's their father. Okay, okay. I had a daughter at 17, so she was not his daughter. And she suffered a lot because of my marriage. And that's another reason why I finally realized I cannot go back to him. I had reached a point in the relationship with my daughter that was very strained. She had a lot of resentment towards me for staying with him so long. She was messed up for a long time <laughs> uh, and had trouble keeping relationships. For many, many years. How do you wind up trusting a man again? I did it because once I separated, I swore off 
men and said my sons were not going to have a stepfather that was going to put them through what he had put my daughter through. It took a lot of years for my, my daughter and my relationship to heal. And it's finally gotten to a point where she understands me and why I stayed. But, right. uh, but I still feel that guilt about having raised her in that environment in conflict and violence where she was also the victim of abuse, you know, verbal and just emotional abuse. And then after the separation, I still feel guilty about separating from him because I was raised Catholic and we had gotten married in the church. And I felt guilty because I felt that I had broken a promise that I made, which was to stay no matter what. And I was breaking that vows. It took me a long time to let go of that guilt. Uh, so and it's I, more every of a religious I, feeling, not more like a battered wife syndrome religious, thing. So just in general, I always feel guilty about hurting people. But I somehow, I always knew, I like deep down, I knew I did not want to go back into this relationship. I don't want to go back. The only reason I was going to go back was to work on my marriage because that was what I was expected to do. Because I felt scared about going back, I never went back. And I would say it took me about three to five years to finally say, fuck it. I'm not going back. I can't do that to my kids. I would never be able to face my daughter or look her in the eye again. And finally, she took priority. My sons took priority, not my feelings of loneliness, uh, my feelings of, of self-worth or needing to have somebody love me. And it still took a few more years for me to like push him for a divorce because he didn't want a divorce. He did not realize how controlling he was. And every time I asked him for a divorce, he would push back until one day I said, we're getting divorced, whether you like it or not. And he did not want the divorce. He said it in the court proceedings when we actually had the divorce. He told the judge he was not in agreement with this divorce. I look like the bitch who was not working on her marriage, who was abandoning the father of her children. But I went through with it. And I was so happy when it was finally done. And I love saying that I'm divorced. I used to feel shame about it, you know, that I was going to be a divorced 40-year-old something woman. And I do not feel shame about that anymore. You shouldn't, Monica. You, you, you've earned it. It's a badge. How long were you married? I was married less than 10 years, but I was with him 16. Wow. And I have to agree with you, Tess. I shouldn't, like how you say, you, you kind of realize you shouldn't marry them, but you still go ahead with it. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I had this fear of being alone. When I was in college, you guys, I've told you before, I dated a lot of guys. But the guys that I really liked... They all broke up with me because I had a daughter and they didn't want to get involved with a girl with a daughter. And that really took a toll on my self-worth and feeling that I was unlovable because I had a child. So when he came along, he loved me. He was the first man who ever had truly loved me. I felt like truly accepted me for who I was. And that was a big thing. I, that was one of the reasons I let him in because I really, he wasn't really my type. That was the crazy thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, if he had been good to me and my daughter, even though he wasn't like that guy that I was just falling head over heels for, I would have stayed with him. Let me ask you this question, Monica. Because then, it, because then he, he knew about my past. And one of the things that was recurring in our whole relationship, he was always shaming me about my past. I mean, literally calling me whore. Oh, jeez. Fully. Yeah. Calling me out for the fact that I had a daughter and that I had a past before him. That the fact that I had a daughter made it difficult for him to be in a relationship with me. And I used to tell him, why are you with me? Leave. I actually wanted him to leave many times. But then whenever I tried to leave, he would guilt me into staying. Right. Uh, always that's guilty me pattern. into staying. And that's one of the reasons I stayed. Because, you know, I, I was raised with that 
mentality, you know, you got to put up with your man and you got to take it and, 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 you know, make it work, put on a good face, you know, and then it pays off in the end. No, no, it didn't for me. Doesn't pay um, off. And I, I have to say I'm better off now. I feel much richer because of the fact that I have like finally found peace with myself. And I'm not in a relationship where I'm walking on eggshells all the time, wondering if I say something, he's going to get mad and do something to me or my kids. I won't deny it sucks being alone, but I would rather be single than to be in that controlling relationship again. And I'll stay this way forever if I have to. Yeah. Yeah, I have to applaud you, Monica. And I'm sitting over here, like, just misty-eyed thinking about it. You have come so far. And one time you had said to me, you're one of the only guys I trust. Yeah. And it's like, and that sat with me so well. I think about how strong you are and how far yes. you've come. Yeah. You make things happen. And I'm so proud of you every single day. And the guy that gets you is going to be so lucky. Oh, it's you, ridiculous. Brian. Like, I know I joke around all the time. Like, you don't cry during La La Land, but you have a heart <laughs> of gold, you know? <laughs> and I'm about to say something that'll make you misty-eyed, Brian. Having you in my life and having you as a friend and sitting next to you every day for all those years really brought back a lot of trust, you know, for yeah, males. You got me, Monica. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> it really was a big deal for me. Oh, my God. Because when I, I met you, so you I, I barely talked to men. And, I, and I'll and i say, it affected me in that, like I said, I swore off men because I did not want my sons to have a stepfather. And they never did. And they still don't. Nobody has ever come to live with me since I got separated. But Brian, you were very important in my life. I'm never going to let anything like that happen to you again. So <laughs> I know. I'm going to vet out every dude you're with. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the thing is, is you have to know that you don't have to be alone or with somebody like a, like that. You know, there there are good people out there. And I'm, I wish for you, Monica, that you can open your heart and trust again, even cautiously. Because obviously... Once you've been burned, you can never be like totally 100% unguarded. But I also applaud you for your strength and putting your kids first and standing up to those old societal paradigms that you have to stay no matter how bad it is. And there ought to be some damn caveat and vows that say, I promise to stay forever unless this person, you know, yeah. abuses me. Because that's that's, that's ridiculous. Like, Shit, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I have the right to leave. Yeah. 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 So, Monica, again, thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. your story. What advice would you have for these people? If they reached out to you and they called you, what would you tell them? About being in an abusive relationship? Yeah. Well, one of the things I learned in the um, domestic abuse group therapy was you can't really tell somebody when they need to leave because everybody has to make that choice on their own. You just have to make sure that you tell them that they are safe and that they don't feel safe. There are places they can go where they, they and or their children can be safe. I mean, are there any kind of phone numbers or, or websites that you can... Yes, there are. Oh, I don't know them off the top of my head, but there are places that you can go and there are places you can go to talk to even if you're not ready to leave your relationship, because that's one of the things they made plain. Don't recommend somebody leave their relationship because there are cases where if a spouse is in an abusive relationship, their life can be a danger. Uh, but people have to reach that point on by their own volition. We can't coerce them into making that decision. What I can also tell them is about the healing process. It's not going to be something where you heal the next day or the next year. It can take a long time. 
And it's like baby steps. You reach a point that you have like a realization about what went wrong and that frees you from guilt or feelings of, of lack of self-worth. And you can reach an epiphany every so often and that helps you on your path to healing. It took me five years. It could take somebody a year, but you don't have to feel bad that you don't feel things progressing. So Brian, we have to hear your story. Uh, well, thank you, Monica. I love you so much. Thank you. You you were always going to be in my heart. Always. I got your back forever. Oh, you too. Your strength is very admirable. Very, very admirable. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, we're all very strong. It's not just me. So me, um, I got divorced in, I think it was 2017. I don't remember anymore. I married my best friend. I worked with her. I came out of a bad relationship. She kind of came out of a relationship. We would go out on dates together and we had just so much fun. And I came out of such a bad relationship that I thought, this is my best friend. Everybody says you should marry your best friend. She wasn't like my end-all, be-all looks-wise. Anybody that knows me knows I like Asian women, Spanish women. I like the dark hair, the dark eyes, the Italian, like the dark Italian. I like the exotic look. And my ex was very blonde hair and blue-eyed. So right then and there, I was like, I probably shouldn't have done that. But we had a great time. But it wasn't the kind of time that you would have with the spouse, right? Uh, We didn't have kids. She didn't like kids. She didn't want kids. And I kind of fed into it and said, well, if you don't want them, then I'm okay with that. We traveled all over the world. We've been so many different places and I got to learn so much. And she was a highly educated woman, spoke four languages, um, went to school in, in England and studied abroad and worked in France for two years in Paris and taught me so much about how the other half lives. She was very caring about the way the world was. She wanted us to experience that so it would make us better people. She taught me eloquence. Like, you know, I still to this day put my elbows on the table. But when I would go out to dinner with her, she'd whack me with a fork and say, get your elbows off the table. She was very proper. She brought out really, really good sides of me. The problem was I wasn't physically into her. And it got worse and worse as time got by. And then I started to go out and seek Because her and I, we would go on separate vacations together and we would just enjoy our lives, whether she was there or not. Like I said, when you marry your best friend, you wind up treating them like a best friend. You don't treat them like this romantic partner. And I need to be put in my place a lot. She never put me in my place. You know, it's that saying where you give someone an inch, they take a mile. I could have circumnavigated the globe four times with the miles I took from her. So... After a while, we started to get a little more tension. I got sick with Fifth's disease or parvovirus, and I was going to the doctor a lot, and I had to wear a heart monitor, and I didn't know it wasn't covered by insurance. So it was a $15,000 bill that came in, and I can understand why she was mad, but she would never go with me to my doctor's appointments. She never believed that I was sick. She never believed that a problem. She just thought I was being lazy. She would at one point told me I didn't sign up for this. It was like very selfish. One day I I told her after we got this bill in the mail, um, can you call them up and try to negotiate? Do whatever you can do. We had agreement. When we bought the house together, 
the idea was <clears throat> I took care of the outside stuff and all she did was pay the bills and clean the house. Well, I would clean the house and she would pay the bills. So she basically had one job is to pay the bills. And I'm not trying to badmouth her. She was a wonderful, wonderful human being, but it just wasn't working. So when I asked her to take care of this because she paid the bills, this was her job, so to speak, in the relationship. She said, if you wanted a secretary, you should have married one. She said, you got yourself into this. You get yourself out of it. I was sick. I didn't even know what I was. I went to specialist after specialist and couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. So I got so angry that day that like, I usually used to yell back and get into like things, uh, arguments, and she would walk away and that would infuriate me even more. And so I, that time I walked away and I'll never forget this because I walked up the steps and I went and called Tess and said, would you mind if I came and visited for a week? And I booked my ticket to California and that's when I met the devil. <laughs> the devil was my well. karma all rolled up into one. So I got back from that vacation after meeting this woman and basically having love at first sight. And when I went back home, nothing was the same. So I basically was carrying on with this relationship for a year and a half and sleeping in the guest room and starting stupid arguments for no reason and literally was flying back and forth to California. Tess, right? I mean, mm -hmm. how many times did I go to California last, like in from 2016 to 2017, I would probably there 30 times. I lost count. And spent thousands of dollars thousands of dollars um and then i decided that enough is enough and then she wanted to go to counseling and do all that stuff and i didn't want to go to counseling because i was like i am such a piece of shit there's no reason that uh, to reconcile this because i don't want you to have to continue with this person i'm telling you i'm in, kind of in love with somebody else and you still want to make this work i mean it's pretty admirable but at this point i i, I that would have just the, the scales were way out of balance when you're in a relationship, if the scales aren't balanced, your relationship isn't going to work. I don't care if it's husband and wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, friendships, it doesn't matter. If you can't balance those scales, it's not going to work. So I wound up getting divorced in 2017 and had a long distance relationship for two and a half years. But that relationship was for all the bad things I ever did. Everything came to fruition in that relationship because it was horrible and you guys lived it with me so you understand so i'm okay with the fact that, you know i got divorced because it, it just had to happen um i took my comeuppance in the last two relationships i had the first one was mega karma the second one i guess could have been a little bit of karma um but now going forward uh, i'm pretty happy now where i'm at i'm not happy that i'm living in reno nevada but uh it could be worse right i got first world problems um, uh, and I've been dating the same person and am I going to marry this person? No. And I know she's listening because she always listens, but I'm sorry. I am not getting married. I will say it again. I'm not getting married. I will be there for you. I will be there for anybody I'm with, but I'm not marrying that person. That's my divorce story. Well, I have to say it was a, it Thank was you a for sharing. tough road, but I gotta say that that was the introduction of you being back in my life so i for one am thankful that you're back in my life and i am too tess i mm. love you so much I and love you are you. my confidant you are my everything i like i said you are mm. blood beyond blood you're like you're like 
They're like my sister, like my everything, you know, it's just, I am so blessed to have you and Monica in my life. And as far as like letting myself go and talking about everything and anything, you guys are just, as I said, you guys should go get your degrees. Monica, you should go get your master's, <laughs> but it should be in psychology or something like that. So you could just help the world because you are such a great, empathetic, beautiful soul. It would be it'd behoove you to, to do well in the world for other people, to make the next generation better people. Well, thank you, Brian, for sharing your story because, you know, it's hard to do. It's, it's hard to do. It's hard to, like, talk about what you've been through and especially when you admit things that you did that you're not proud of. Yeah. We all done that. Yeah, it made me who I am, right? And like I said, I'm finally at the point where I like the guy I see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's really important. It only took us 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Hey, better late than never. Well, I guess you say divorce, so divorce is, is complicated. complicated. Cheating, Cheating is complicated. complicated. Well, Both sometimes necessary. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. The National Domestic Violence Hotline can be reached at 1-800-799-7233 or website www.ndvh.org. There are a number of other abuse hotlines listed with our episode notes, so please access those if needed. Please stay safe and thank you for listening.